Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Mendel, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Josh Houts. And before we get into a variety of different things, including Madden 21 thoughts, Jarvis Landry talk, that's a thing. Uh, Shaq Lawson, maybe as he's flying under the radar, we shall see. And Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald will be some Tua Nuggets. And as we know, it cannot be a Josh Houts podcast without plenty of Tua talk. Before we get into there, though, be sure to hit that subscribe um, button. Hit us with a review. Anything like that will be greatly, greatly appreciated. Josh, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It seems like, you know, the the Twitter fingers, the, the typing fingers are going. We're seeing a lot of stories come out. It actually is starting to seem like we're getting close to those offseason, preseason camps, excuse me. And uh, there's plenty of things to look forward to. And I think to get things rolling here, uh, we're both were lucky enough to receive Madden 21 codes. And I was lucky enough because there just so happened to be this random guy who's a who's a fan of the show, and he said, hey, do you want a Madden code? So so that was very cool. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, man. And, I mean, there's not a lot, whole lot that we can talk about with the demo other than, you know, it, it felt a little bit different than previous Maddens. Um, but, you know, overall, you can only play four teams, so that was kind of a real boner kill. But I don't know. What were your thoughts on the demo? Um, first off, I thought it was pretty frustrating that uh, for four teams there was um, 60 gigs, so you needed that much space on your Xbox or PlayStation, whatever it may be. I thought that was a pretty big bummer. Um, a demo is something you kind of just want to get. You have an itch to play it, itch to try it, and you kind of move on. So that was that was a little head-scratching. And, you know, I did feel kind of authentic, the fact that, you know, your gamer tag and uh, number would be floating around the yeah, screen. So in case you, like, took and shared pictures, uh, you would get yelled at. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, they just want to make sure none of their super-secret uh, tricks about how they just remade, you know, updated the rosters and threw out the same game, but I don't know. It felt different. I, I thought it was nice that, you know, when you were getting hit as a quarterback, you know, sometimes he could release the ball as he was getting contacted, and that just never happened in years past. And I don't know. It actually felt with you actually had control with the right analog stick. So it, it was a decent get, but like you mentioned, we only got to play this thing over July 4th weekend. So we didn't really have that much time to dive into this game, but it'll be out soon enough, and I don't know. I'll probably buy it because I'm a sucker and because it has two in it. Yeah, that, that's kind of a big issue I find myself starting to run into here. Uh, for the first time in about roughly four years, I played a Madden demo, and I was actually pretty jacked up from the moment. You know, the, the game environment starts up and, and the hype surrounding, you know, the game you're about to jump into for, what, a, you know, 25 minutes or so. I got excited for it. The atmosphere was fun. I, I had a good time playing it. Everything kind of seemed smooth. Um, and that's scary for me to say because yeah, I'm falling into the trap. I'm falling into the horrible, horrible trap. Yeah, well, I wish I had that type of self-control. Uh, the other big thing was the 
a lot of these ratings started to leak out from Madden, and although they're not confirmed, uh, the Dolphins' top 10 looks like this. Byron Jones is the, an 88 overall. Kyle Van Noy is an 86. Devontae Parker is an 84. Xavier Howard is an 82. Jordan Howard is a 79. Mike Jasicki is a 79. Matt Breida is a 79. Rayquan McMillan is a 76. Devon Godshaw is a 76. And Albert Wilson is a 76. The thing about these here is they, they don't really... Um... I don't get too worked up over them. I think my the the issue with these ratings is something much bigger. Where I see when you, I feel like when you're playing Madden, if you aren't using one of the, yeah, you know, right. top five or six, it's it's not, you know, you can't have the talent beat out like the rating, the Madden rating on the roster. Like for instance, you know, a 91 versus a, a 76 or whatever, maybe it just feels really bad, um, and and it's just a tough, tough uphill battle that it, that just isn't likely to go your way. So it doesn't. The game doesn't promote you to play with, you know, your favorite team uh, in that sense. I'll, I saw people get a little whiny, I guess, about Xavier and Howard being an 82 overall. And I guess the big thing with that is it's important to keep in mind that um, a rating here isn't just your overall skill. Uh, something like injury, something like consistency, those play a big role in these. So, uh being an 82 overall, I completely understand if he was healthy for an entire season. I wouldn't be surprised. Byron Jones, 88. You know, Howard would be the 91, 93 if he plays a full season. That's not something I really want to uh, get myself worked up about, though. That, for the most part, stood out to me. Was there anything uh, you were a little surprised? I mean, Jaseki is 79 is kind of cool. I mean, I don't think I, I view him as he has the potential to be like a, you know, this is really a layman's, you know, terms here. Uh, but, you know, if we expect him to be, if we're using Madden lingo here, uh, 86, 87 overall, I mean, I don't know if I'd say he's a 79 yet. I mean, that, that's pretty exciting, I guess. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing we got to keep in mind is that this came from a beta. So as soon as the game releases, there could be an update. Uh, I know that they came out and said Saquon Barkley was an 89 overall, and it turns out he was 91. So I don't know how accurate these ratings are, but... Uh, you know, it's pretty cool to see how some of these guys rank. And I guess you're right. The Xavier Howard thing is a is a real head scratcher because you see some of those cornerbacks that are rated higher than him, and it's just crazy. And then Devontae Parker, we, we saw what he did to Stephon Gilmore, who's rated 99 overall. I think uh, Ladarius White's an 89 or something. And you got Devontae Parker here in 84, and he went out there and had had his way with some of those corners. So I think a lot of these numbers can be adjusted, but you can't be too upset. I think the biggest thing here is that Yesterday I said the Dolphins are the worst team in the game. Someone who actually works at EA came out and said that they're not the worst team in the game. So that's something to keep an eye on. So I, I don't know how accurate these things are, but overall I think I was pretty pleased with the way uh, these guys are rated. There's a team. Are the bank? Would the Bengals be worse? That's got to be it, right? Yeah, the Bengals or Washington. I mean, there's a couple other teams that could go either way. So right, right, right. Interesting, interesting stuff. Um, speaking of stuff, I, I really didn't know how else to go about describing this because we've reached you know peak off season and go figure the week i'm saying you know barry jackson's releasing a lot of you know fun stories conversational stories that really get you thinking about the uh the training camps coming up but but it's a slow time and honestly it's not like we're gonna get news news it's all just you know casual talking ranting about what we think is going to happen so we had this tweet come out these, these tweets come out i don't know how much i want to uh agree with these but but what's this guy's name logan lane am i pronouncing that right I guess we'll, we'll go with it. Logan Lane. I mean, he's <laughs> dropping some bombs out here about a player that uh, I don't. I don't know. Just, just tell, tell the story. This is bad. 
All right, let's... His tweets go privately. Jarvis Landry was devastated by being traded from the Dolphins. I don't think that was too private. I think it was. I think he was very upset. I think he even came on the record and said something along the lines of, "You know, Adam Gase used to say, you know, we'll send you to Cleveland as a joke, you know, because that's that's the joke. They're two and fourteen, you know." You, who wants to play for them? Um, and then, you know, when he was actually traded to Cleveland, he was he was very upset about that. Felt, you know, you, they turned their back on him, yada, yada. So I don't know how private that was. I think there are plenty of stories actually talking about that. Um, it was the coaching that wanted uh, that he wanted away from, not the city nor the team. Yes, the gays, they didn't get along, clearly. Uh, he has since been proven right on the coaching woes. Uh, if given the opportunity, Jarvis Landry would return in a heartbeat. Uh, opportunity, I think, is a funny word here because there's also the sense of Jarvis Landry. He could have pers- kind of taken a pay cut, but I think that was another right. huge thing going into the Landry Wait, trade. Is I don't think the Dolphins wanted to trade him or you know pay him for a, a long term deal, and I think that was a huge part of it uh, over anything else in terms of talent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree, and I I just don't know where this came from. If he was just bored one day and just decided he was going to report this, but. I don't know how much you can put into this. And the biggest thing to me is, I mean, most often fans would love to have Jarvis Landry back. But of then you look at trade compensation, you look at that big contract that he has. I mean, it just wouldn't make sense for a team that is looking pretty good at wide receiver, you know. But would we all welcome Jarvis Landry back with open arms and love to see him and Tua build that, uh, you know, that chemistry together? Absolutely. But, I of course, he wants to be here. I mean, I'm sure he loved being in Miami, but him and Adam Gates sure. were never going to belong. and. It's the same way with the JHI thing, so I, I don't know. There, I just think that we all have to move past the, the Landry gang gang and be happy with the receivers on the roster. Yeah, and, you know, that, that tweet, I don't even think is the one neither of us had a problem with. That one, it seems pretty safe. I think you we can all kind of sit there and say, yeah, you know, everything here, you know, pretty much makes sense. I don't think it's too crazy. And then things go from... <laughs> like a 3 to like an 11 here. So he adds some follow-up tweets. The story, as I have it, goes that in addition to the many disagreements Jarvis had with Adam Gase on his usage, play calling, etc., Gase appeared to have gotten in the way of a deal that could have brought Odell Beckham Jr. to the Miami Dolphins. This took place while the Dolphins' front office was very unsure of Devontae Parker's development and were desperate to give Tannehill whatever he would need to properly evaluate him. Ultimately, Gase stepped in and shut down the conversation, citing Odell's character. That, I mean... That is an interesting couple of tweets, Josh. I think that that's the first way I can display. Uh, display. When you read this, what what was the first thing you were thinking? I don't know. It all goes back to the source. I really never heard of Logan Lane before this, so I can't really put too much stock into what he's saying. But that this we were talking about Madden at the beginning of the show. This is pretty much a Madden trade, thinking that Odell Beckham would be coming to Miami. But you know, if these reports were true, who would be the guy to step in there and make sure this trade doesn't go down? Of course, it would be. Uh, Adam Gates. So I, I don't know. I, I don't put too much stock into it, but at the same time, it won't surprise me one, one bit if they thought bringing in Odell Beckham, you know, to pair with Jarvis Landry with Ryan Tannehill would be a good idea. And, you know, who's to say it wouldn't have been? But Adam Gates ultimately stepped in and did the Adam Gates thing. It's just crazy to me that this is how, you know, far into the offseason, like you said, that we're getting where we're just starting to talk about stuff that, you know, fantasy world i mean we always talk about these rumored prospects that you could go after or maybe this guy he's on the trading block and the dolphins can be make a trade for him but this is just completely out of nowhere and we were all kind of just eating out of this dude's the palm of his hand just talking about jarvis lander the entire day knowing darn well it's never going to happen 
So I wonder if this was like 2017 when, when this happened, when Jay Cutler was the guy. Uh, the, the squad could have been Jay Cutler, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham. Oh, my God, that would have been, that would have been incredible. Uh, but... Nice reality show right there. <laughs> and, and the weird thing is about that, I feel, is Miami's receiving core at that time, I don't think anybody was upset with Kenny Stills, uh, Parker, who was a solid, Jarvis Landry. I mean, I don't... What would you have traded for Odell Beckham? Are you get, getting rid of a first at the, at the time? How how desperate were they? You know, this is all like, and I, I follow along. It's the offseason. I'm following along with these ideas. Uh, yeah, I beats the heck out of me. I mean, I'd give up a second-round pick for Odell Beckham in a heartbeat, but uh, I just I just don't see a world in where that would happen. And even, you know, after his down season last year, even if you want to trade for Odell Beckham right now in present day, I mean, you're probably giving up at least a first-round pick, so... You'd have to assume that the Dolphins would have had to move a first-round pick or someone of equal value. You know, maybe a Laramie Tunsil. Who knows? It's all just what-ifs, and that's that's all it can be. Hey, man, that that's what our uh, fandom is really based on when you really think about it. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It is kind of cool, though. Uh, you know, we're finding different things and different stories, you know, what not to talk about. We have a oh my God, pretty large column here from NFL.com writer Adam Rank. Um, and I'm only going to go part of it here, part of it that I thought would be pretty interesting to talk about, where he predicted that defensive end Shaq Lawson will be the Dolphins' breakout star of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about. He signed a three-year, $30 million contract. And, I mean, I love Shaq Lawson coming out of college from Clemson. I thought he had all the talent to be, you know, a very good pass rusher in the NFL. And last season he had, I think, six, six-and-a-half sacks. With the Bills, he didn't really be – he wasn't really a full-time player, but he's coming into Miami. They got that great secondary – I think there's no reason why he can't go out there and be that defensive end. A lot of people thought he was heading into the draft and, you know, become a solid end for the Dolphins that they desperately needed. You know, even with, when Cam Wake was here, he, he was a little bit, you know, wasn't great against the run. I mean, I think Shaq Lawson's very good against the run, and he can even get to the quarterback. So uh, I think the sky's the limit for him, and I think that's why the Dolphins gave him the contract that he did, that they did. Yeah, he uh, isn't yet to read the, the... – Wow, sorry. Uh, he is not <laughs> able to reach double-digit sacks yet in his, any season. But uh, Rank really is thinking that Brian Flores might see him as someone who's just going to be really be flexible. Rob, Rob Ninkovich comes to mind, Mike Brabel. Uh, these are guys that Rank brought up. And, you know, it's interesting because I think there are going to be sacks to be had for this Miami Dolphins defense, especially with 23 last season, uh, last in the NFL uh, 
there's only a place, the only way to go is up. I remember when Taco Charlton came in last season and he had, he started actually getting a couple sacks right away. Uh, and I think that was twofold. One, I think it's because he was probably the most talented defensive end on their uh, roster. But two, I mean, sacks are available if, and you know, you just have to reach a certain level and someone's going to start getting them. You know, Andrew Van Ginkle started to get them because they're, they're out there. The opportunities are there. It's just all about capitalizing. And, you know, I think, you know, that opportunity plus talent is what you really get that breakout star. And I, I think Lawson will have that. That's why I kind of wanted to bring this up because the situation for him to really grow and really be a, a focal point of this defense, uh, especially when you have, you know, guys like Kyle Van Noy over the middle, I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting to see. Uh, you know, when's the last time the Dolphins really had someone in terms of Shaq Lawson? Uh, maybe not, you know, a rookie defensive end because we don't want to talk about Deion Jordan or Charles Harris, but but the guy who's, you know, 26, 27, really just trying to go into that soft spot of his prime where he can really get going. Uh, I mean, Vernon maybe, but I think he was only here for his rookie contract. Yeah, and it's exciting just to see the way this defense works now that, you know, Brian Flores had a year to implement a system. He kind of knows what he needs in, de- in the defense. He went out there and he got these picks. You know, he got a Kyle Van Noy, a Raekwon Davis, a Noe Benogany. You know, the list goes on and on. I'm excited to see the way this defense works because they don't have that, uh, you know, the Jadavian Clown or the Nick Nadoku that everybody wants the Dolphins to trade for at Speed Rusher. They got these Shaq Lawson, these Emmanuel Ogbas, you know, these guys that are going to get those sacks because the Dolphins have such a good secondary and they're not going to, the quarterback's going to have to sit there and hesitate and wait for a receiver to get open and it's just not going to happen. So I think Shaq Lawson's going to accumulate sacks based on that. And I do still think that his best football is yet to come because, again, based on the kind of player he was at Clemson, I think that he has yet to reach that full potential. And I think, like you said, in Brian Flores' defense, uh, the sky's the limit for him to exceed and exceed in numerous ways. So I'm excited to see where this entire defense works. And Shaq Lawson is definitely a huge part of what the Dolphins did this offseason. And the Dolphins have a lot of balance, not in the sense of players who can stop the run and stop the, you know, uh, pass rush, excuse me. Uh, I mean balance in the sense of as people rotate in and out, I don't think they're really going to miss a beat. I think they're going to really have a lot of good packages they can really put together on that front and that defensive line when you kind of think of guys like Van Noy, when you look at guys like Van Ginkle, who can really work his way around the field as well. Uh, Vince Beagle really came on last season. And it's kind of the opposite of what the Miami Dolphins have done for the last 10 years in the sense of, I'm going to kind of use the Madden lingo here. But, you know, uh, Nadamakan Su is, let's say, a 93 overall. No pun, his number was 93. Cameron Wake, let's say another 90, but he was 91 overall. There we go. So they're a 93 and 91 in Madden. But outside of that, the Dolphins would have, like, you know, a 76 and, and maybe a 78, maybe an 80 if they're lucky. What we see here is a lot of guys who have, you know, 86, 87 potential who can really just consistently, you know, yeah give the Dolphins opportunities to get off the field in three downs. Uh, I think one thing we're really used to seeing is, you know, those completions on third and long. I can't, you know, think about how many times over the last three, four years the Dolphins have really struggled to get off the field on third down. When you got, don't have guys that are really gassed, when you have guys that can come in and hide, uh, maybe shroud different weaknesses on the defense, that's how you get off the field because, you know, maybe it's third down and 15, but an offense is at two plays to really see something, you know, something develop in terms of how defense is working. Uh, this group really gives me hope, and, and Shaq Lawson, someone who can really rotate with those pass rushers and be effective, is one of those guys I'm excited for to really try to make the Dolphins get more opportunities on offense. And, and Yeah, just based on the way the season's going to go, I mean, you don't know how soon these players are going to get hurt, you know, how fresh are they going to be as the season goes on. So, I mean, the, 
whether it be a, a heavy rotation in the secondary or, you know, it'd be a, uh, with the defensive ends. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities here, and I'm excited to see the way it all plays out. We have some, let's move into it, Josh. I know you've been, you know, shaking over there. You've been ready, riled up, waiting for this one. Barry Jackson has some Tua nuggets here. Uh, a source with the in touch with the Dolphins said that the great likelihood is that Ryan Fitzpatrick will open the season as a starter. The Dolphins are open-minded about playing Tua if he shows command of the offense and consistently impresses in practice, and if the team isn't performing well under Fitzpatrick, they aren't going to into the se- excuse me they aren't going into the season with a plan to definitely redshirt Tua, bearing some health setbacks. I think that was pretty much a known um, one pet peeve I saw is. Some people are saying best case scenario, the season's canceled and, and Tua gets a year to grow. That 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 sounded really weird to me. I, I think worst case scenario, you want your quarterback to get snaps in the NFL. You want him to be able to play a couple games and get those snaps under his belt and look into tw- the 2021 season as when the Dolphins are a real deal. So I thought that was strange. I don't think anyone really should have expected a red shirt. I think they're going to give him opportunities to get snaps. You're the fifth overall pick for a reason. Um, Agent Drew Rosenhaus, who he doesn't represent to us, said on a, a radio show that he expects Tua to start by week four. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I think it really, you know, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. As much as I want to root for him and as much as I want to think that Dolphins have a great season, they go 10-6, and six, Ryan Fitzpatrick's the guy, Tua, you know, sorry, man, there was just, we're, we're winning. We'll let you know when we need you type of thing. But it just hasn't been his career, and, and it does. I hope none of this sounds like you're rooting against for him because I don't think anybody is. It's really fun when Fitzpatrick's good. But you kind of know what to expect once you hit 38 years old in terms of uh, someone's tendencies in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I I, th- I think weeks 8 to 10, uh, the bye week. But I also could think, you know, training camp, you know, you read one too many articles about how wonderful Tua looks and how everybody behind the scenes can't stop talking about him, especially, you know, with these... Odds are, you know, there aren't going to be people at these mini camps. You know, it's going to be up to the beat writers to share how this magical experience. And if everybody gets hyped up, who knows? Maybe we could see him week one. Um, Either way, though, I think it's probably likely Fitzpatrick will be floating around for roughly half the season or so. Yeah, and again, it all really comes down to what how the league, uh, you know, progresses with everything going on with COVID-19. How How is Tua going to get in there and grasp this offense? How as much as he learning over Zoom meetings and things like that? But I think, you know, everything you keep hearing, and I know it's kind of the down season, but this kind of seems like a no-brainer to me. You know, if Ryan Fitzpatrick's not playing good, they're going to turn to Tua, the fifth overall pick, you know, the future quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. I mean, that seems like a no-brainer to me. I don't really know about week four if he's going to be in there that soon, but I do think, you know, once he gets – acclimated to the system and once he goes out there and he's showing these coaches these reps and just doing things that you know orion fitzpatrick can do at 38 years old you know as long as two is healthy i think he's going to be you know breathing down fitzpatrick's neck and as we've seen in the past you know orion fitzpatrick does not string together these two or three good seasons it's why he continues that cycle you know sign that big contract playing well you know it just keeps a repeating process where ryan fitzpatrick never quite becomes that guy and he knows that he is you know the transition to what the Miami Dolphins hope they have in Tua Tagovailoa. So I think early on it's going to be the Ryan Fitzpatrick show, but I don't expect them to be winning enough games that it's going to interfere with Tua getting those reps. And I think once Tua gets out there and, and gets a chance to prove that he's the guy, it, you know, it's going to be hard for them not to hand him the keys sooner rather than later. Before we wrap up here, um, also in that same story, uh, Barrett Jackson had some information on the running backs, and I thought it would be nice to bring this up, seeing how we just did our show about that. 
uh, last week. If you didn't get the opportunity to listen to it, go check it out. Uh, but it, you know, kind of states the obvious here that Jordan Howard and, and Matt Breida are going to be the one-two punch. Uh, Breida is a better third down back. It makes sense that Howard would start, and then you ride the hot hand as the game unfolds. Dolphins are up 14 points. Probably Howard gets a good go. Yeah. Dolphins, you know, down 10. You know, you start throwing to Breida. You make it work out of the backfield. This is where I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap again because I think, you know, we, we've, we've taken the lap around how we don't think Hidden Balaj is that great. But also last week what I did say is that I think, you know, him having that experience in the NFL in this wonky offseason, uh, knowing what he's capable of, maybe they loved him in practice. I, I think that would be enough to kind of keep Kalen Balaj uh, around a lot longer than some people might think. Um, and it says right here the Dolphins want another look at him after, even after a disastrous 2019 when he dropped four passes and averaged a uh, meager 1.8 yards per carry. If he's good in the preseason, I could see him sticking as the number three. Again, I think it kind of makes sense. I know you know it's not what anyone wants to hear. You want kind of want the unknown. But when you have four, you have five running backs, something like that, you want some expectations, some standards coming in. You don't want... Uh, there's, there's a little bit more of that veteran presence with Kalen Blage around. Um, if he's gone, Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin would be the internal options for the number three job. I think it's only going to be internal in that sense. I can't see the Dolphins going out and signing another running back, especially with Laird showing enough, as we spoke about last week. And Miles Gaskin's still just needing a really opportunity to to get some snaps and, and make a name for himself. Uh What's interesting here might be what isn't said. If Miami keeps four backs, likely the Navy seventh router Malcolm Perry has a good chance of that fourth, uh, provided he shows anything in camp. The Dolphins are expected to use him at both running back and receiver, as we've heard multiple times. Uh, so, so it seems like here, all things considered, it's Kalen Balaj, Patrick Laird, and Miles Gaskin. Based on what Barry said here, those are the three guys fighting for that three job. Yep. And everything else is kind of locked in place. And that, that seemed a little weird to me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and but I guess that's kind of what you get when you go out there and you sign a, a Jordan Howard and a Matt Breida. And then you kind of move down the list and you see Kalen Balazs. Like we said, you know, he's only been in the NFL for two seasons. So as down as we are on him, you know, maybe the coaches feel differently. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they said Malcolm Perry just needs to show anything to stick. And, you know, Miles Gaskin versus Patrick Laird, that'll be an interesting battle. But you got to believe Patrick Laird has, a, you know, a little bit of a, a step on Miles Gaskin based on what he did last year. Because I think Miles Gaskin looked pretty well in the limited opportunities he had. I think Patrick Laird, you know, showed overall, you know, he could catch, he could block, he could do all the little things that you want from a running back. And you keep mentioning Danny Woodhead or, or Rex Burkhead. You know, I kind of think that that's the mold, and that's kind of what Patrick Laird's going to be is this gym rat that just goes out there, puts his head down, and gets that sure yardage. So, uh, we'll see how it unfolds, but I think our running backs, like we said last week and like we'll say again right now, are a hell of a lot better now than they were last year. So between the offensive line and this running back group, uh, you know, it should be much, much more improved than that 32nd ranked offense from last year. Yeah, and you kind of hit the nail on the head in the sense of we're arguing or, well, I guess discussing uh, Miami's third and, and fourth running backs. I mean, it's just that point in the offseason where, you know, you're 100% right when you have guys like Howard and Brita. Um, there isn't a lot of room for flexibility, you know, and that's not a bad thing whatsoever. Uh, however, with, with, you know, everything that's going on this offseason, I think it'd be smart to keep as many wide, uh, running backs in reach. I, I still think, you know, Patrick Laird has got to be the fourth with Gaskin and, and Malcolm Perry being uh, practice squad guys. I just I just have a hard time seeing a seventh-round flyer 
already being so locked into having an opportunity. It just seems so weird without, you know, seeing the snaps or seeing him on the practice field that, you know, we're locked in as him being our guy. I Again, it could happen. He could come out and shock everyone. But, you know, there's a reason someone, uh, you know, is a seventh-round pick. Tom Brady was a seventh-round pick and he – sixth-round pick, excuse me, and he didn't start for two years. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he's going to be bad or anything. I'm just saying, you know, I – you got to walk before you can run in the NFL. And, and I, I, I'm excited to see the walking, but we just haven't yet. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's all going to just matter on how, how these, the NFL PA and the owners and how they go through it and agree on how this off season's going to look. And, you know, nothing can really be set in stone until we see how some of these guys are going to be able to go out there, perform, get the opportunities to show that they belong on this roster. And then is there going to be an expanded roster? Like we mentioned last week, you know, is the practice squad going to be longer all these things need to be figured out, and it sounds like you know they're further apart than we want to admit. I don't know if we saw this, and we'll talk about it real quick. Is the Philadelphia Eagles said that home there there will be no fans at home games, and to me, I think that's kind of the start of what we're going to see throughout the entire you know United States is that they're not going to have fans in attendance this year, and it's going to be much different than we're accustomed to. But we have to adapt the same way we're adapting in everyday life, and you know, hopefully, if if everyone does their part, we'll be seeing football sooner than later. Man, it doesn't to me. I I think there you can't say it doesn't matter because I definitely think it uh, is. I think there are people who are consistently just really good at football and people who go above and beyond when they're feeding off that adrenaline. Um, obviously, they're both incredibly talented athletes. Just how they work, you know. Someone might be a little bit more nervous and can perform better when no one's around. Who who knows? I think that's gonna be kind of an interesting aspect of it. But, you know, fans, no fans, man, we're talking about football games. And truthfully, if I can sit on the couch, follow fantasy, watch some football, talk about the Dolphins, I mean, I'll, I'll sacrifice as someone living in Massachusetts not being able to go see a game. Yeah, man, I completely agree with that. Guys listening at home, please remember, like, subscribe, rate our podcast. Uh, you know, we are nothing without you. Ask us questions on Twitter. I am at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. Jake is at J Mendel, J M E N D E L 94. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Again, like, rate, subscribe to the podcast. For this episode of the Jake and Josh Show, the Finsider Radio, we'll talk to you next time. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami.